You might recognize today's podcast guest from Shark Tank. She got a deal with Damon John and was on track to do $1 million in sales. But that was until it all unraveled. Angelica Sweeting is a fellow Kane, a former college classmate of mine, and I'm so excited to have her on the podcast today to share her truly inspiring story. It's the first time in five years she's able to talk about this story, but she's back with her business, building it again, and she is the first black woman to own a utility patent in the toy industry. You don't want to miss this story of challenges, overcoming, and what she's doing now as an entrepreneur. Our physical, mental, and emotional health is not just a want. It is a need for happy lives and prosperous businesses. Lift You Up is the podcast where we share inspiring health stories from business owners who are fulfilling their purpose to live their healthiest lives and helping you do the same. From former TV reporter to marketing entrepreneur and content creator, I care about sharing stories that matter and stories that connect us. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham, your health and wellness matchmaker. Well, today, I feel like it's catching up with an old friend, a cane, <laughs> a fellow cane. <laughs> That's right, all about the you. Um, if people, you know, if they're regular listeners, they know I like to have my canes on this show, of course. But joining me today is Angelica Sweeting. So nice to see you again. Yes, yeah, so nice to see you as well. I'm, I'm honored to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. <laughs> of course. I mean... I've been following, I mean, we went to college together at UM and I've been following you all along and I know you've had, you know, ups, downs, a a winding journey as a lot of us do, but I want to start off with where you are now because you are the CEO and founder, is that right, of My Mellow Magic? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so right now I am in the middle of relaunching um, my toy company again. As you said, it's been such a journey. I don't think people understand when they sign up for entrepreneurship what exactly (laughs) they're signing up for. Um, the ups and downs, the mistakes, the, you know, all the learning experiences. So I'm happy to be where I am now relaunching because I've learned so much and I can apply that to my current company. And um, yeah, just going through the process of getting a product off the ground, like a new product is a lot of work. Um, So just enjoying the journey and the space that I'm in now. That's such a nice place to be at, too, where you can enjoy it, because I think in those early days, right, in the beginning, when you're learning and you're just totally out of your element, it's hard to be present and enjoy it. So it sounds like you're doing that now. Oh, yeah, it's very it's very hard. And then, you know, my first kind of time around in the toy industry, there's so there's so much to learn. And I, I don't know if it's just me, but in entrepreneurship, things can feel like life and death, <laughs> like the little things. Oh, no. like that's you definitely know, you not know. just you. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. It can be very overwhelming. And I've learned to kind of like keep the big vision ahead of me and, you know, put out little fires, but don't internalize so much. Mm. So um, it's a work in progress. Therapy okay. helps. Exactly. <laughs> it's a must have <laughs> as an entrepreneur. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I like that you said, um, you know, a lot of times when you get into entrepreneurship, you don't know what you're getting into. So I'm, I'm just curious myself, what did you major in at UM? I majored in business, like, okay. well, first, okay, well, I started off as a med school, you know, medical major, because I don't know, 
just random, right? And um, I failed out of biology. So I was like, eh, probably not my thing. <laughs> so yeah, I majored in business and um, Susan Amat was my first entrepreneurship professor. And I just fell in love and kind of knew that's the space I wanted to be in. Yeah. Okay. That was going to be my next question. If you knew mm -hmm. this was going to be a space that you're going to be in. So yeah. what was, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, so when I um, was in that first class, my sophomore year, it was just something in me that I was like, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. I didn't know exactly what I would be doing in entrepreneurship, but I definitely knew it was something that I wanted to pursue. So tell me about the first business that you started. <laughs> right. So with the first business, and especially now that I'm relaunching it, I'm realizing how incredibly blessed and lucky I was to get that product off the ground. So it was inspired. It was the Angelica doll. It was the first 18-inch doll with natural hair that you can style and wash just as your hair. Um, and it was inspired by my oldest daughter, Sophia, who was at the time four years old. And there was not a lot of dolls that looked authentically like her. And um, she came home from book fair one day and she was like, mom, I, she was crying. Um, and of course, parents were asking what's wrong. And she said, mom, I don't feel beautiful. I don't have blonde hair. I don't have blue eyes because in the book fair, they didn't have any representation of little brown girls in the books. Um, so we tried to find a doll that would authentically represent her and we couldn't find anything. So that was the inspiration behind the Angelica doll. So it was the first 18 inch doll with natural hair, naturally curly hair, features that are true to brown black women because if you go in the toy aisle, they'll have brown skin dolls, but their noses won't be like ours, our lips, you know, kind of the structures of our face and um, the skin tone. So the Angelica doll, like we launched on Kickstarter, it went incredibly well. We went viral. Um, we met our goal within the first 48 hours. It was what amazing. Was the goal uh, was 25,000. And in 48 hours, we met that. And then by the end of the campaign, we raised close to 85,000. So oh, wow. yeah, it was awesome. really exciting. And, um, <laughs> you know, then we went through the holiday season and we auditioned for Shark Tank and we got on Shark Tank and that's when things started to unravel a bit. Um, so we made a, a deal with one of the sharks on Shark Tank and I'm so happy because this is the first time I can talk about it because I've been on a gag order contract basically oh, really? for the last five years yeah um where you can't say anything about what happened with the contract what happened on the show so this is the first time i can really talk about it so you know you go on shark tank and you're excited because you're under the impression that these sharks are really here to help you further your business and we had really one specific goal was to lower our production cost hmm. so we made a deal on the show then made a, another deal off the show um, and the deal was for us to pay for half of production and then for our shark to pay for half of production. We paid for our half and then our shark pretty much said he was good. He was like, I'm good. I'm not going to do that. So he left us hanging um, with a $100,000 bill um, and we couldn't raise the funds. We could not raise the funds to complete the production wow. order. So I had to close the business and I still to this day have $100,000 worth of inventory at that random factory in China. So it was really, really heartbreaking for me um, as an entrepreneur because we were on track to have our first million dollar year. Like it was like we were just on track to have a phenomenal year and really 
um, get the business off. And uh, it was heartbreaking for me. I I can't even imagine how heartbreaking that must have been. Now, when you say you made a deal on the show and then a deal off the show, does that mean they were two different deals? Yes. So <laughs> I found out we don't, that- Right? We don't know what happens yeah, on Shark you don't Tank. Know. Like we yeah. just see that, you know, five minute clip and say, okay, awesome. Exactly. So after the show, you know, we had a few meetings with our sharks and meet our shark and we renegotiated our deal. And because I found out TV is just TV. It's not great business. It's just TV. Mm -hmm. Um, And we discussed different ideas to get our product off the ground further and to further our business. And we made a different deal that we both felt more comfortable with. Uh, But he was able to squeeze out of the contract. And in hindsight, um, like I can't be upset with him because he's a business guy and he didn't feel like that was the best business move for him. So I have to respect it. Do you feel like you you know why he decided to, to pull out of the deal? I, I think I have a feeling. I think I have a feeling, you know, the night that our Shark Tank episode premiered, I don't know, I can't remember if there was a storm or somewhere, but a lot of the uh, cities where more black and brown people would have been watching, like they didn't have access to the episode. And a lot of times they base their deals and contracts off of how many sales you make when your episode premieres. And um, I don't think I met the threshold that he wanted. Uh, So that's what I think happened um, and why we didn't move forward. When this, like you said, things started to unravel, you know, he pulled out of the deal. Um, and then you're left that with that $100,000 bill. Um, what kind of what all happened from there? I know you said you were you were heartbroken. Yeah. So when we realized that he was pulling out of the deal, of course, we contacted all the banks, you know, tried to get a loan investors, we worked at that for months. Um, and we couldn't land anything. And then you have to also keep in mind that I did a pre order for my half of the deal. So I also left customers hanging that had paid and I had already used the money towards production because I signed a contract, you know, it was a done deal. Let me put my half towards production. So I left customers hanging too. I got sued. Um, It was a lot. Like I had to talk to a lawyer about filing bankruptcy. Um, Like you can imagine, like you can imagine all the things that happened in between that time, just dealing with customers, lawsuits, lawyers. And then I also got sued by another doll company about our doll name. It it was a lot. It was a lot. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I just like when you, uh, that level of exposure is awesome, but you don't realize what comes with that level Mm. of exposure, you know, and we did all the right things. We filed our trademarks. I had a trademark that was filed and given. And um, I tell people all the time, like, you're like copyrights, trademarks, patents, like they're only as good as you can defend them. You know, Mm -hmm. like it is expensive. Like our lawyer pretty much said you can fight this in court for $250,000 at least, or you can change your name. So like your stuff is only, you should have your stuff for sure, but it's only as good as the money you have to defend Mm. it. Yeah. A lot of lessons, a lot of lessons learned. A a lot and and hard ones, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people think that that type, like you said, that type of exposure, that explosive growth is what they want in business. But 
sometimes there's something to be said for slow and steady and sustainable. Yes. And that is what I'm on now. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I enjoy it because I don't know, I think because I went through so much in the past, like I'm enjoying a different experience of growing a business. You know, it really is put your head down and work and get to it and figure out how you can get customer sales, figure out how you can get your cost lower, figure out how you can get in retail if that's your goal. You know, everything just isn't like magically coming, like Target isn't just magically like texting me or emailing me like we want you in your business. Like it's another um, side of entrepreneurship when you don't have the explosive growth right away. Mm hmm. Looking back at that time, um, what would you have told yourself before Shark Tank? It's funny, right? It's funny to me because my husband was on the episode with me and we literally said, we will take an investment from all the sharks except this one. You know how you have the conversations going in, like we prefer this one, not this one, this one. But the person we said we didn't want was the person that offered us the deal. And with all the lights shining and bright in the excitement, like we took it and we knew we shouldn't have because we already knew, like, you know, we kind of had some background. So just trusting your gut, like trusting your gut and doing um, what you said you you were going to do, like before you get into those situations, like make the hard decisions to say no Mm. and not just, you know, kind of it's getting caught up in the moment and the excitement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I had this conversation with a couple of people this week, right? Like all money is not good money. That part. <laughs> <laughs> that part right there. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, sometimes we have to go through those lessons because it makes us so much better, stronger, help us build better businesses. What, how, how did things resolve like to where you are now? Did you say, I need a break for a while. Like, tell me what the years following all of that were like for you. Yes, I definitely like um, once we officially like closed the business and I was pregnant at the time with my last child. So I had her kind of, you know, had my time with her. Then I went back to the corporate world, which was really embarrassing a little bit because I had just quit my job you know then it's Mm. now like I'm I'm going back like I kind of failed and I'm going back so that was rough to kind of get through mentally because it feels like you're taking a step backwards um in your journey so I went back to corporate was just enjoying the easiness of it in the paycheck every Mm. there's something to be said for that there really is is. there's nothing wrong with that exactly exactly so um I enjoyed that and you know in the back of my head I always knew I was going to do the dolls again I just didn't know when I would have the courage to kind of put myself out there again um and it's so funny like my third week back into the corporate life I get a call from the New York Post and I was like "Hmm, what do you want and they were like well we just want to do an interview because we've had a lot of people contacting us because they never received their order Um, right so I had to also deal with that. Like I was publishing the New York Post about kind of how I failed and left people hanging. So just getting through all of this mentally and getting the strength and courage again to put myself out there, you know, it was a lot. So, you know, I took a few years and took a break, just took a break from it all and rebalanced. Um, and then my girls, they were like, mom, what's up with the dolls? Like, hey, mom, like they'll find them randomly, like in our garage or around the house. And they'll be like, mom, like, let's do this again. So my daughters, <laughs> my daughters really inspired the new brand and we work on it together. And, you know, they're young and cool. And um, 
I'm remembering how important our mission is. And it's, you know, it's changed a little bit. Uh, but for us, it's really about just giving girls the freedom to choose. You know, they don't get a lot of that on the toy all toy aisle and the doll aisle, but having the freedom to choose and define beauty standards for yourself. So about how long were you in corporate? You said a couple of years. Yeah, it was, let's see, I want to say two years. It was about two years. And at the end of like uh, that last year, I kind of started working on the dolls again and then COVID happened. So um, I quit working to homeschool my children. And that's when we really kind of got rolling on the new idea and new brand. So yeah, it was a blessing in disguise. Yeah, I love that throughout all of this, even from the initial idea that your daughters, your family were so much the inspiration in each step. And like, I feel like that's something about kids. I mean, I don't have any, but just, um, you know, hearing from you and others that they can kind of like reground you and bring you back to yourself and what you're passionate about. And I love that they brought that out of you. Yes, that's that's exactly what happened. Kids are a great reminder of what's important in life Mm. and kind of, um, I don't know, getting you back to your purpose, just remembering why and what things are important. Mm. So fast forward to My Mellow Magic. Tell me about the journey that you're on now. So it sounds like it started around COVID time and what, what you're doing differently this time. Yeah, so, you know, getting production back in order, getting logistics back in order. Um, this time it's a bit different because initially with the Angelica doll, it was all about being an authentic representation of black and brown little girls, minority children, because we didn't have that on the toy aisle. And after we kind of pioneered that within the toy industry, after we launched on Kickstarter, you can kind of see the spiral of a lot of toy companies, the big ones, the small ones, now now really digging into authentic diversity. Um, So we're really proud that we were kind of able to create that moment within the industry. And now moving forward for us and as my girls get older, what I also love to is like my customers are my children. So I get to see Mm -hmm their needs um, as they grow. And um, these kids just want to be able to express themselves like they want to be out of a box, you know, they want to be able to define beauty for themselves, what they think is beautiful. And I think that's so important, because they get so many um, ideas of what beauty should be. I worked on this patent for about a year. Uh, My little girl said that Melly needs to be able to change hair. I was like, oh my gosh, how are we going to do this? So with my patent attorney, we just like, we went through it and I was MacGyvering at home trying to figure out how to make it work and buying different things, going to the craft store. And then I kind of had like an aha moment and I'm kind of like, just, we didn't even have a prototype. I was literally just taping and sewing and, you know, getting it together. And I sent a picture to my patent attorney and he was like, you got it. And I was like, wow, which is huge because you know, having a design patent is one thing, but having a utility patent that can be licensed by other toy makers, um, used for all different kinds of purposes is is huge. Um, so now it's just about, you know, getting the word out um, and furthering, you know, our mission. I read a really scary article to me. It was um, actually suggested by my therapist because um, we were talking about lost, loss of voice. Right. And there's this article that says by age 11, 
um, most young girls have already lost their voice. Like they would rather just shut up and be quiet than to talk because them talking, they get either get shut out or mm-hmm. shut up or dismissed or all types of things. We know what it's like being a woman, but that actually starts yeah. at age 11 where little girls just don't even have the ability to say no anymore, to say what they want. So I was like, wow. So I asked my oldest daughter, Sophia, I was like, when was the last time you wanted to say something and you didn't? And she was speechless. Like she didn't say anything. She just started crying. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like even my child, like, and I'm a mother that, you know, I'm really all about gentle parenting. Like, let me hear what you have to say. Like, I'm not like, you're just going to do what you have to do because I said, like, I really love to hear my children speak and give me feedback and at times I have to apologize or whatever. So mm-hmm. it was really surprising for me. But even with me as a parent, my daughter all already felt like she had lost her voice and her ability to express. And even when it comes to beauty and things like that, like we, I don't know, to me, I grew up in a very like traditional black household. So color in our hair was an absolute like, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, not gonna do it. You mm-hmm. know, like it was because our mothers knew what kind of perception right. we would have going out into real life. Like if we have green hair, people are gonna look at us a certain way because of whatever, mm-hmm. you know? So my daughter, she asked me for like pink hair or something a couple years ago and I I just said no because that's what my mom told me and not yeah you know and uh my daughters really challenged me they were like why not and you know me like fumbling trying to explain and I was like you know what you're right like you should be able to define what looks beautiful for you outside of what I think outside of what others think um and you know trying to balance the professional look with just being you Um, And I think this generation of next, you know, of girls need to learn early that they have the freedom to choose, they have the freedom to say no, they have the freedom um, to just use their voice and speak up. And um, that's really, really important to me. I love that message so much. And um, I got chills when you talked about that article that girls um, start to lose their voice at the, or I don't know if it was all kids, but Mm -hmm. most of them. Yeah, start to lose their voice at the age of 11. I'm going to ask you to send me that article so that we yes, can I will link I will. that also. <laughs> um, because that's so important to know so that we can start to take steps and work to change that. Exactly, exactly. So that's kind of where this, I don't know if it'll happen right now, but eventually, um, each of our wigs. So Melly is an 18 inch doll with swapping style hair. You can change your hair, which is really cool in an instant. Um, and each of our wigs eventually will come with a QR code um, that little girls can sing in on their phone and it'll be a game or app or something. But we want each of our wigs to give little girls um, a message, education, a skill, a tool they need. Like when do little girls learn how to negotiate for their pay? You know, like when do little girls Um, learn that it's okay to just be them like all of these tools and skills that we usually don't get to we're much older um, we're going to correlate with each of our wigs so our pay me pink wig which is curly and fun and pink (laughs) like little girls will get skills and tools that they can use now to just learn how to do the things that they will need as an adult that we expect women to do like 
why don't you negotiate your pay? Well, no one ever really taught me how to do it and to do it properly. So um, yeah, we're excited. And I would even say, you know, going through the entrepreneurial journey as well, like those are all things I've had to relearn or, you know, learn in the first place, right? Because I think we are taught to shrink ourselves and not speak up or not push back. Um, and it's important to learn those skills and it's hard to do that later on in life. Exactly. It's really hard. Like just so many things I discovered on my first like entrepreneurial journey. Like we had to go to China to talk to the factories and, uh, my husband had a friend there from college and he had been living there and, um, uh, he was in production and manufacturing or whatever. And he just taught me, he was like, whatever price they give you, like never take the first price. No one had ever told me that before. Like it should be common knowledge, but it's a part of negotiation. And I just like, they give me a price and I'll be like, okay. And now I know like I can get the price much cheaper by literally just saying, give me a better price. Mm, Right, right. Like that's literally it. So just like the simplicity of things that we miss, but are so essential and important. And I wanted to go back to something you mentioned before about the design patent versus utility patent for those of us who don't know the difference. Um, Can you explain that? Yeah. So a design patent relates to how something looks. So you can't, if I have the look of my doll patented, then you cannot replicate a doll that looks like my doll. Uh, But the utility patent goes into how something uh, like how something works, like the process of something. So for example, with our wig, we the patent is on the wig, like how it comes on and off, what we use for that, like whether we use Velcro or magnets or whatever you use for that mechanism, no one else can copy. This patent makes you the first Black woman in the toy industry to have a utility patent. Which is humongous. It's huge. I didn't. Yeah, it's huge. When you hear that, what goes through your mind? Like, how does that make you feel? Oh, man, it it kind of just even that part is a little bit of like a full circle moment for me. Um, Going through all that I went to and now being able to accomplish that um, just because it's so hard to be the first at anything these days because the world has been around for so long. So to be the first at anything is major like even me saying it sometimes like it it really is black history um and it's so important and a legacy that i'm hoping to build and leave for my children my grandchildren um so it's it's huge i i'm speechless a lot of the times that it even really happened because my lawyer told me no so many times he was like no someone's already done that no look at this article he was like no 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 you know so to finally get to a yes um, it's amazing. And just like the perseverance that it took, like, I'm just really proud of myself and like giving myself a pat on the back for it. It's really cool. Yeah, you absolutely should be. And that's something we don't do enough as entrepreneurs as well. <laughs> and be proud of ourselves, right? Yeah. I love that. We're always, yeah, we're always, and I was telling my husband too, like, we're always just trying to get to the next moment and not staying present in what we have accomplished. You know, like, we're so bad at that. Like, we have a goal. So of, bad. <laughs> 
however much a month and then we get to it and we're not like we don't even congratulate ourselves right. the next thing is like what's next like mm -hmm. how much more money how many more clients how many you know like always trying to get to the next thing and not just sitting and enjoying what we've accomplished and worked hard for just in this moment mm -hmm. and you know to your point about it's hard to be the first at something because the world's been around a lot of the times, but interestingly enough, especially when it comes to black women that I've interviewed on this podcast, there have been a lot of firsts. And I'm thinking um, of a woman who has a vegan um, nutrition company um, that she grew to seven figures that is nationwide in vitamin shop. Um, I think she, I, yeah, I think I know who you're talking about. Yes, okay. yes, yes. <laughs> she's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So there are, a lot of firsts in for women who look like us and it still is a reminder of how far we have to go in some yes ways. you're right you're right when it comes to black women and black people like we are just doing things for the first time um and we do have a long way to go especially when it comes to business and entrepreneurship and funding and investments um i don't of course everyone kind of knows about we work and Adam Newman, he's, I think, on his own, he's amazing, right? But it just goes to show, like, he did rework, it was successful, and then it failed, and billions and billions and billions of dollars invested in it, and this guy comes back and gets another $350 million investment, like, no problem, like, no business plan, no nothing, just like, here's $350 million, and as awesome as that is for him, it just goes to show, like, just the gap. Like black women that I know, the entrepreneurs that have great businesses, tech focused businesses, businesses that will change the world cannot get funding, you know, and some people can literally walk into an investor office with a idea on a napkin and get millions of dollars. And we just have to, we always have to prove so much, do so much before we're even considered. And it's sad, but that's the reality of, you know, where uh, we are as entrepreneurs. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, so what's next for you? Oh, for me, um, getting my Mella Magic launched and off the ground, um, we might pivot. Uh, <laughs> we might pivot just a little bit. Um, but just focusing on that, we are, uh, we launched on crowdfunding Kickstarter. It did not go how we planned which is part of the journey, yeah. uh, but it gave us such good feedback and insight to what we need to change to make the product better. Um, I used to teach a crowdfunding class and I tell people all the time, like, even if it fails, it's so much good information within that ecosystem yeah. because you can see what type of people did want to back your product, who did you ask to and didn't, and you can kind of narrow down your, um, just your marketing and your branding and who to speak to. So um, right now we're kind of taking that Kickstarter that failed and didn't do what we wanted to do and really diving into it to see how to improve. And we'll be back for the holiday season, which is the toy season Q4. So yeah. we'll be ready. We're excited. Yeah. Gearing up for a busy end of year. Yes. Yes, definitely. I wanted to ask you because you mentioned kind of being really one of the first in this space um, to have the 18 inch doll um, that, you know, represents brown and, and black girls. Um, and that since the years of Shark Tank and 
all of that, that there have been others and toy companies that have now started to do that. Do you feel like you will have more of a challenge now and that the space is more crowded? Yeah. Yes, definitely. Um, Like I've been asked to consult and work for major toy companies, small toy companies. Um, There's people literally copying and pasting my work and you know the things i've done in past like word for word on our branding marketing um so yeah it's gonna be a little tougher to break through this time um it is advantageous to us that no one else is doing what we're doing um so that will be helpful but like you said the space is a bit more crowded now and they've been around even the companies that are specifically focusing on black dolls and the representation of black dolls you know, they've been around for a few years and kind of have traction. So yeah, it's it's a bit different this time around and the space is a bit more crowded. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you see as, and maybe this is what we just talked about, but I was gonna ask you, what do you see as your biggest challenge going forward? Yeah, I think my biggest challenge going forward in today's oh man in today's space is it's such a big learning curve um and people are literally spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on ads to acquire customers um when you don't have that starting off and getting the traction and kind of the culture and branding and people really behind your brand it's a bit um tougher when we first had the angelica doll i remember like facebook just started their ad platform Mm. like I would put $5 on an ad and make like 10 sales. Like it was, my goodness. it was, it was crazy. Yeah. yeah. So now like my husband is a big like ad platform, Facebook, Instagram. So I just see the amount of money that has to go in um, to get customers. It's, it's a little wild. So I think for us, our biggest challenge is really just going to be cracking into the market. Um, and getting people aware and knowledgeable and then deciding like if a big brand comes to us if we want to license our idea so we have toy season coming up and then of course we always go to toy fair in new york next year so we're excited about that too where we'll get to interact with other brands other customers and kind of get our uh, stuff into retail so that's always exciting well you're doing the thing girl oh yeah (laughs) Lastly, I always like to end with um, whether it's like a self-improvement tip, health and wellness type of tip. Obviously, um, you've gone through it all, like the highs and the lows. I know you mentioned a couple of things from um, therapy and, you know, various other things that you did just to keep yourself um, grounded. But um, maybe two tips, one for the entrepreneur who is building has those highs and lows and then also a tip for the young girls to just show up and and feel their best um you know their best selves each day i think just learning that failure mistakes and lessons are part of the process and not being too thrown off about them like i'm always so jealous of people and it's always a particular type of people that can literally fail and like blow up the world and just like move on like nothing <laughs> happened <laughs> you know like everything's just normal yeah um, like but getting that skill under your belt because you're going to go through hurdles like every day is not going to be perfect every season's not going to be perfect but being able to get through the hurdles and stick with it like you can really get to 
a great product, a, a great business and something that creates passive income from you that you're passionate about. So just learning and knowing before you get into it, there's going to be failures, there's going to be mistakes, there are going to be lessons and to not internalize it so much where it puts you in a depressive state or, you know, sometimes I just need to break learning how to break for a couple of days and take your mind off it and come back with a more balanced spirit to approach it. Um, so yeah, that's definitely for entrepreneurs. And then for um, young girls, man, just not being scared to speak up no matter the consequences. That's what I'm teaching my girls now. Like, yes, you spoke up, but someone might have something to say back. And that's okay, but you're using your voice and you're living authentically and that is going to water your soul so much more than you staying quiet, so much more than you, you know, just saying no or saying yes or whatever, or being a people pleaser, at least for me, like at my age, you know, I got to that article about loss of voice because it was something I was going through, mm. you know, it's, you know, I was married very young. I had, you know, baby after baby, kind of after baby and I lost myself a little bit. Um, so as I'm learning, I'm also teaching my daughters, like say what's on your mind, you know, say it in love, but be truthful, be authentic because I don't know, just in life, it's going to put you at um, just, much calmer space in your um, journey. So, yeah. I love those. And lastly, how can people get in touch with you, support you, social media, website, all the things, and we'll make sure to add them in the show notes. Yeah. So we will be ready to um, have sales for Christmas. So mymelomagic.com and it's mymelomagic on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. We don't tweet very much, but we are there. Uh, so yeah, mymelomagic.com and you can always shoot us an email at info at mymelomagic.com as well. Awesome. Perfect. We'll link to all of that below. This has been awesome conversation. Thanks for being, for being so open, sharing your story um, and just you know, inspiring us and, and yeah. having the, the, the wherewithal to, to keep on going after your dreams. Thank you so much for inviting me as a pleasure. It's great to see you talk to you. <laughs> and it's an honor having this conversation with you. Thank you so much to me. Go. Thank you. You know, this was really one of my favorite podcast episodes. It was so fun to catch up with Angelica and really hear the story that I hadn't heard before. And honestly, what she turned all of that struggle into and rebuilding this business and even better, stronger, and more purpose-driven than it was before. So keep your eye out for My Mellow Magic. The holidays are just around the corner. So you're going to want to stay connected with her, follow her company. All of that information is below in the show notes. So make sure you stay connected. And hey, stay connected with me as well. You know, I tell you each week or each episode that we're back. So if you're not connected with me, I don't know why. You can find me all the places. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. But I'd especially love it if you connect with me on LinkedIn and hit subscribe right there on YouTube and turn on those notifications because we come back every other week with new episodes and I'd hate for you to miss out. So until we see you back in two weeks, because I know I'll see you then, stay happy, stay healthy.